Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, the show that helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I guess you either like the thought of museums or you don't. But this week I have reason to recommend one museum to every Christian. My guest is Mark Hendley, who amongst many ministry interests, has developed a tour of the British Museum, especially designed for Christians seeking to better understand the Bible. Mark has a tour that helps illuminate some of the stories and peoples mentioned in the Bible, including the only image of a king of Israel. So we're going to be talking about church leadership and Bible background on the show today and giving you details on how you can receive a guided tour yourself. So, Mark, it's great to have you on the Leadership Farm. Thanks very much for having us. Um, so your journey into Christian leadership, first of all. Wow, unplanned, really. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I, I was uh, a classic case of saved out of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, I'd I'd been in the church a relatively uh, short period of time. I was involved in the live music scene in Maidstone at that time, and one of the youth leaders came up to me and said, "Hey, we've got these kids who play instruments. Fancy helping them to like be a worship band?" I was like, uh, "Okay, we can have a go at that." And then uh, a few months down the road, uh, we went to two services in our church and suddenly we found ourselves <laughs> as a bona fide worship band in our own right. And and through that, I ended up serving in the church. I, uh, the guy who invited me to do that, wonderful guy called Graham May, is now my spiritual dad. Um, and, and effectively, I ended up teaching at the youth group. A lot of my friends who were similar age, we were sort of young 20s then, went off to do various year outs with things like Oasis and Youth for Christ. And I just felt I wanted to stay around. That was right for me at that time. And I realised at this point, having had many jobs up until this point, because I'd been a bit of a drifter, that actually this church thing was something I really loved doing. So the the, the next natural jump for me was to head off to uh, Bible College. I went to Moorlands, uh, graduated from there in... 1999 and funnily enough the church that I'd left to go to Bible College crazily enough said would you come back and work for us I became assistant pastor then associate and so on oh, wonderful great stuff and uh, uh, I mean th this stage of your ministry I mentioned uh, the British Museum what what kind of led this dimension well that really happened by accident if I'm honest uh, I hated history at school so uh, it's mm. a really strange environment to be in um, but basically I, I had a responsibility for the men's work in our church uh, we realized that guys do relationship in a different way to girls not face to face over a coffee not wanted to generalize of course but but more kind of side by side doing things so we put a kind of you know a typically blokey program together and one of the ideas we had was a, a kind of horrible histories of the old testament 
And uh, I remembered when I was at uh, Bible College, we'd done a tour to the museum. It was just a sheet of paper saying, go and look at these exhibits. And that really was the birth of it. We took the guys around. They loved it. They wanted to bring their families. And kind of it's it's, it's really a hobby that just got well out of control. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, um, and you, you had your share of transitions in understanding about God and the Bible. Um I mean, your your major light bulb moments. Uh, well, salvation is obviously the yes, first one. Of course, uh, that was a big light bulb moment. I, I mean, I'd always believed in God. I'd always believed that He had died for me, but I'd never personally cashed that mm. check. So that that was a huge one. I think probably following that was the sense of the Holy Spirit's tangible and historical ministry in the now. You know what He used to do; He still does. Yes, and that was very pertinent for me uh, when I was first married and came into ministry. My wife was struck down with ME, oh, uh, and we lost really the first eighteen months of our marriage because of that. And supernaturally, um, she was healed, like like that in a wow. moment. And that kind of rewrote my book. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, Probably moving on from there is catching this thing about the father's heart. I, I still think it's a it's a great void in Christian teaching uh, when you understand God's heart for His children. It just changes everything as well. Um, probably suffice to say, I think a lot of us maybe in our Christian walk have been like the second brother in the mm. story of the prodigal, and the story is about him, not just. The yes. prodigal outside, it's Indeed. the prodigal inside as, as well, inside the family. Um, I think probably the most profound, though, is the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, I've, I've been preaching probably 15, 16 years now, and uh, I've seen lots of variations of a thing we call the gospel. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've seen a thing called the gospel of the church where, you know, the world is really evil and the church is the bomb shelter. And as long as you dress like us, think like us and talk like us, you can hide in here with us. Right. But if you yeah. dare think outside of those lines or buy colored shoelaces or whatever, you're back out, you yeah. know, and I've seen the gospel of salvation and I caricature here, but that kind of sense of, you know, you say the prayer, you get the Willy Wonka golden ticket, stick mm. it in your back pocket and sit on your blessed assurance waiting for the first train out of here yes. and praying that you don't mess it up between now and mm. then, you know, and then you really start to understand the gospel that Jesus preached, which wasn't about escaping earth to get to heaven, but actually you being a conduit for heaven itself here on earth mm. that that rewrites how you see the world and, and how you live in it wonderful no oh, thank you for expressing it so helpfully um now let's, let's answer the british museum because we we want to talk a bit about how this can um kind of blow the minds of, of some of the men particularly church leaders listening but obviously many listen who aren't, aren't particularly church leaders or in leadership at all and, and maybe you know they, they maybe live in london you know and never thought about going to the British Museum for Christian purposes. But it's vast. It's got 8 million artefacts, I understand, 50,000 on display. So how does it serve the Bible reader? What's um, what's your pitch, as it were, in terms of how it how it, how it helped you and those men, particularly first, well, first went I, there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really simple in one, one hand. You know, if the Bible's true, then it's true. Mm. And the amazing thing about the archaeologist Spade is that it has uncovered the most amazing collection of artifacts that verify the historicity of the scriptures mm. um, if the story that we believe in doesn't sit on real history then it's no use to us at all but mm. if the history that actually supports that story is actually true 
that's a light bulb moment. And, you know, I, I think there's so many Christians who say, yes, I believe the Bible's true. But when you actually are stood 18 inches away from something that, say, a biblical hero has handled or is part of that world, that there's something the Holy Spirit does. And it's just like, wow, it, it really is true. And and that's the moment I live for when I take people around. It's just seeing the, the kind of eyes open when the Holy Spirit drops that bomb on them. And, and you know, if it's true, then it is totally trustworthy. And and that is just massive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mentioned a, a tantalizing fact in the introduction. <laughs> uh, the only image of a king of Israel, and so you need to give the answer because some would be in the, you know, listening in the radio thinking, what is it? You know, so. <laughs> yeah, well, the British Museum has the only image of an Israelite king anywhere in the world that we know of um, or to put it in modern parlance it's the only fo- photograph that we have anywhere in the world and that's that's uh it's it's really down to the assyrians um of course the the hebrews they would have never thought of carving an image of anyone because you know they had this kind of theological aversion to that mm-hmm. because of the uh, 10 commandments but uh, the Assyrians, uh, they they were a huge empire. They they conquered most of the ancient Near East at that time. They subdued many nations. And one of the ways that those nations made sure the Assyrians didn't give them a hard time was paying tribute. And there's this wonderful black stone obelisk at the museum that has King Jehu of Israel basically kissing the feet of Shalmaneser III. You're not going to find a photo like that anywhere else in the world. Well, that's, that's, that's just worth, worth going to see that alone so i mean i've been i've been on the tour with you so uh it's clear you have a great passion uh for the way in which god's kingdom is established and grows during a time of other massive kingdoms were on the ascendancy and that was one of the things that that came came out to me certainly going around with you yeah well i think um we 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 always see christianity from the decade we live in Mm. you know even just going back a few decades it seems really kind of weird and strange and that was different times and 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 standing at this side of history and just seeing um empires come and go you know the sumerians the babylonians the assyrians the greeks and so on and yet steamrolling through all of that is this incredible juggernaut called the kingdom of god which actually doesn't just kind of sit on a plateau line it just gets bigger and bigger and more impressive and more impressive as Isaiah says of the increase of his government Mm. and peace there is no end and you know some of those Old Testament prophets and writers would talk about the nations like dust in the scales or a drop of water in a bucket or flowers that, that that bloom and just you know fade and are gone and then you've just got this consistency of God's love and his heart towards this planet through all of that time and how he brings it to fruition um, in, in Jesus Christ. It's, I get excited about it. It's worth getting out of bed for, that's Absolutely. for sure. And, and there's Israel kind of uh, situated within the Middle East, you know, at the crossroads of, of so much of what was going on. Yeah, I, I remember years ago somebody gave me a book um, uh it was entitled what's so special about israel or something and the opening chapter talked about the fact that this little dusty bit of land that we think of along the the edge of the med and the jordan valley is not an accident and it was literally the strip of land that linked three continents you know it led up into europe up into asia and down into africa for the world's major highways ran through there so of course when god says to his people you'll be a light to me for the nations in our 21st century mind we go oh a missionary call no it wasn't a missionary 
extraordinary call. It was a call to actually live really well at home because the world were going to come through them. So, yeah, awesome. And, and obviously, you know, a, a powerful metaphor for the local church today. I think so. I think so. Uh, not everybody feels that they could get on a boat and go somewhere that's hot or fly infested or equally cold and not fly infested. Uh, but actually what we can do wherever we are is just be heaven to the people around us because we, we are a portal to heaven. You know, I don't believe we're just saved so we can escape earth. It's actually so we can be a conduit for for God's uh, presence and his power and his principles here on earth whilst we're waiting. Yeah. Well, you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Preck. I'm joined this week by Mark Hendley, who, amongst other mini inter- ministry interests, has developed a tour of the British Museum. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Mark Hendley. Uh, Mark shared before the, the break a little of his uh, journey um, from sex, drugs and rock and roll into the Christian faith and then on into uh, Christian leadership as a pastor. And, uh, and, and along the way, he developed this uh, fascinating tour of the British Museum which sheds light on uh, why we can uh, read the Bible and obviously we believe it is true because we're Christians but also we can believe it's true because archaeology is backing up some of the realities of the, the events and uh, the elements of the culture that we actually find there in scripture. So so Mark if you were to whet the appetite of listeners what aspect of the tour would you highlight? It's hard, oh, hard to. That's a really like asking difficult. which is your favourite child. That, that's <laughs> a really, really difficult question. There's so much good stuff there. I mean, just briefly, you got things like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is one of the um, sources external to the Bible that seems to indicate there was a global cataclysmic flood. Mm. Yeah, we would yes. equate that with Noah. You've got things like the Cyrus Cylinder, which is the record in his own words, of that proclamation that Cyrus made that we see in the book of Ezra, mm. releasing the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. We've got things like Esther's wallpaper, which is you know part of a tiled wall that, that led to the throne room um, in the Persian uh, palace at that time. But for, for me, there's, there's one particular piece, and it, it actually doesn't look as exciting as these other things. Mm. Um, it's not dramatic in that sense, but it's actually what it symbolizes. And it's simply an, in, an inscription recording King Sennacherib's uh, campaign against Hezekiah, who was the king of Judah in Jerusalem at that particular time. And and it's, it's huge for a number of reasons. Firstly, when King Sennacherib, who was this incredible Assyrian king, I mean, he, he was... Uh, ruler of the most powerful nation on earth at that time he raised an army of 200,000 troops to come and swat 12 nations that basically he just wanted to make his mark on Uh, Hezekiah heard about this and he was so terrified we read in the scriptures that he literally peeled the silver and gold from the temple doors to kind of send to Sennacherib to pay him off and here we get one of these great biblical discrepancies because the bible tells us it was uh, 30 talents of gold and 300 talents of silver a talent being a weight not a current and the Assyrian record which is on this inscription that I'm talking about says 30 talents of gold and 800 talents of silver and so a lot of secular historians were like oh look we have a discrepancy the bible can't be trusted 
why they assumed Assyrian history was correct. Well, biblical history, history. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another issue. Um, but there was a great guy called Donald Wiseman. He was an evangelical Christian. Some people will be aware of him. But he also was a top dollar Assyriologist. And he did his homework. And he discovered that the way that Assyria and the people of Judah weighed gold was the same. But the way they weighed silver was different. And exactly 300 talents of Judah's silver equaled 800 talents of oh, Assyrian wonderful. silver. So right, there, yes. there was actually no discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, secondly on that one, we have this amazing story where it says it, that Sennacherib destroyed 46 of their strong walled cities. He literally punched his way through the sea, seaboard and down towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the goal. It's where the temple is. It's the most expensive building on earth, you know. And then he, all he can write really after the the fact is I destroyed 46 of their strong walled cities and a bit like Sylvester and Tweety Pie, I, I made Hezekiah hide in his... Mm cage and and secular historians are very puzzled by this why would he just turn around and suddenly go home and not take jerusalem of course scripture has the answer that night an angel of the lord came and slew 185,000 of the assyrians whilst they slept you know there is the answer absolutely um well but thirdly the, this this panel is scorched it's black and brown and um a lot of people are very familiar with the story of jonah and how he preaches against Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria at this time. Um, but what people don't realise is after uh, Nineveh repented, she repented of her repentance and became evil again. And then Nahum prophesies. And he says, essentially, woe to you, O bloody city, by fire and flood you will be destroyed. And when you look at this panel and you see the scorch marks, they are the literal fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy. You know, it's not a bad place to have an office, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's terrific. Thank you. I mean, how have the tours enhanced your own preaching and teaching ministry? I mean, I guess you don't always have to preach on Old Testament, but, you know, but occasionally you will, I'm sure. I think what it's done is given me an awareness that there is a world behind the text that we're reading. Mm. Um, it's so easy... Um, you know, in this instant world of ours to just kind of flip open a Bible, read a verse and, oh, yeah, yeah nice, nice kind of thought for the day kind of thing. And actually not really dig into what's going on. And I've made many assumptions over the years mm. about what something meant. But but as I've kind of researched more the, the, the artifacts at the museum and got kind of the background to some of these scriptures that we're quite familiar with, suddenly some of these stories read very differently. And so I think for me, it's given me a passion to try and understand as much as possible the background context. Mm. I, I have a saying, I don't think it's new, you know, if you take text out of context, all you're left with is a con, you know. <laughs> and, and it's true that the more we understand that world, the more we, because there are assumptions that are made by the writers that the people who are reading will, mm. will know what, you know, they mentioned the Assyrians doesn't mean a lot to most of us. But when you understand who the Assyrians were and they're a yeah, bunch yeah. of bloodthirsty thugs, it suddenly changes how you read all that. So, so for me, it just gives me this passion to get behind the story and mm. maybe put myself in the shoes of what's going on in the story. And, 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 and I find in that way, just, just the scriptures come alive in the mm. most uh, incredible enlightening and actually heartfelt way that you just kind of connect with god in a, in a different way yeah and and obviously there's 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 a service believers like you're describing but also those who are skeptical about the bible 
there's obviously a great power apologetic in this. Yeah, well, I, I think there is. I, I, I've lost count of the number of times I've heard people sort of say, oh, yeah, you Christians, you believe a bunch of fairy stories. But, you know, my, my advice now to those people is come and spend a day with me. Yes. You know, come to the museum. And, and it is tricky because if you don't have that kind of framework of biblical history, it can be a little bit complex. Mm. But but there is so much stuff there that screams out, even to the minutiae, um, the, the stuff that we see in our Bibles is historically accurate. And mm. in a way that historians at the time didn't write, nobody ever recorded their own losses in battle. Nobody ever painted themselves mm. as, you know, uh, making bad decisions or being terrible kings. And that there's a kind of truthfulness about the way the scriptures speak mm. that 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 I hope will really help people understand that this isn't just a bunch of fairy stories, but actually is something that you can put your faith and trust mm. in and maybe lead to him, the one we should put our faith and trust mm. in. So, I, w- I was fascinated by the, um, the, the trip to the Egyptian um, room and your comments about which pharaoh was likely to have been around with Moses because of the second born that was a fascinating story for me i don't know if you can share a little bit of that yeah i mean it's it's kind of one of the great mysteries isn't mm. it you know if the bible's a pantomime you know who's the guy we're going to boo and hiss when he yeah. comes on stage and and you know unfortunately that part of the old testament never names uh old testament pharaohs mm. and so there is a lot of conjecture and there are lots of different views out there but for me we start with the text and the mm. text is really clear Whoever it is, it's got to be someone who was on the throne 480 years before Solomon's temple because that's when Israel left Egypt. Not only that, there's some unique family set up. He has to be a second-born son or he himself would have died Mm. in that 10th plague. And then whoever follows him on the throne also has to be a second-born son or he would have died, you know, and, and, and for me, that really helps us narrow in. I have a theory on it. Not everybody would agree with Mm. it, but it is fun to kind of engage with this Mm. stuff. I, I think we do start with the text and help that guide how we kind of figure these things out so good well uh, that's, that's that was fascinating to me that 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 whole area it was a kind of a it's a sort of sherlock holmes style you know deduction and it was it was fascinating so um so um listeners who are too far from london are there books on bible background you recommend well there's a number of options really that there's a fantastic uh, little resource by day one publications um think Clive Anderson and Brian Edwards are the authors of that and it's around the British Museum with the Bible it's a little Mm -hmm. pocket size guide it's really really succinct it's fantastic can't recommend that highly enough they've done a bigger book actually just called evidence for the Bible that has kind of Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that's in all of the museums on planet earth at the moment that's that's really good I also do virtual tours so you know there's I find there's a geographical zone where people find it hard to commute to London Mm. for the day it's kind of around Paul and sort of uh, Norfolk <laughs> beyond yeah. that you know it's it's kind of hard but I've I've put a lot of this material into a virtual tour so I can travel okay. to people and come and present uh, the material for them um, I'm also trying to compile a book myself because the notes I have at the moment look a bit like a health and safety manual um, <laughs> ring bound you know A4 but uh, I've I'm trying to uh, put the funding together to to get well illustrated pictures and actually be able to put this narrative that has kind of evolved over the last few years as I've done the tours Mm. into a book that's really helpful for people to see how the kingdom of God just works from creation through to Christ and uh, so how, how often do you do the tours the cost how do how can listeners get in touch okay well um, 
we we try and get up to the museum two or three times a month. There's normally a couple of Saturdays I'm up there every month. Uh, on my website, I advertise what Saturdays we have available to book. Okay. Um, I, I'm also very open to midweek tours. I'm happy also to do Sunday tours because I think what, what better act of worship than to focus our attention yes. on the Word, you know. Um, so we, we, we try and do as much as... <laughs> As we can really because it's my favorite thing on earth to do um in terms of how much it is it's 25 pounds for the day that's a full day at the museum mm. about five hours in the galleries mm. um just to give you a comparison you know if you were to book into a one-hour tour with many of the the london tour companies that that kind of take you to places like the museum you'll be paying 10 pounds for an hour so we mm. we're, we're kind of a good value for money Absolutely. should we say yeah. um and uh, we've, we've had a really really positive set of reviews we've been going for about seven years four years i've been doing it almost mm. as a kind of minist- real ministry focus um and we consistently get great reviews from folk who come around i've not had anyone say they're bored yet so <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful well, hey Mark, I mean, I, uh, I can only just say personally, it was it was a great, a great joy to go around with you. And, um, you know, you've enhanced the work I do with CWR uh, enormously. So thank you. Thank and, you um, very you much. You know, just to just to uh, amen what you've just said in terms of uh, the quality that you bring. And uh, I'm sure there'll be many listeners who are uh, fascinated by what we've, we've had to say and we'll get in touch. So thank you. So, um, uh yeah, so your your website or details that people can yeah use? the website's really simple kingdomcollision.com. dot com on okay. on that website is a link to the museum tours but there's also my other ministry stuff okay. on there as well so kingdom collision kingdom collision dot com yeah. fantastic okay so you've been listening to the leadership file with me Andy Pat my thanks to to Mark Henley who's been my guest today who's uh, uh, alongside his uh, other areas of ministry uh, does tours of the British Museum and um, do get in touch. Uh, on his website, kingdomcollision.com, and uh, find out when you can uh, book up yourself. And um, and also, you know, if you're a bit further from London, maybe consider the virtual tour option as well. So thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Do log on to Premier's website uh, and listen to archived versions of the Leadership File. Go to iTunes and subscribe there, and uh, you can get the, uh, the show downloaded to your listening device uh, every week, regardless of whether you're able to log on or listen to, to Premier on, uh, on the radio or not. So look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk. 